disciple making is still Jesus's primary way of advancing his kingdom. Yes. It's, it's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. But it's and, all of us in it. It's not just church leaders. It's, that's it's right. all of us. Exactly. Again, gets to me, uh, gets me to the point that, that uh, so in our culture, which is increasingly secular here in the, in the West, in the United States, uh, and, and we are living in, you know, I, people would disagree with this, but it, it does begin to feel like um, there is a lot of tolerance for a lot of things, but not for evangelical Christianity or, or Christianity maybe in general. Yeah. So here's somebody listening or, or maybe reading your book and going, man, I, I want to figure this out, but I can't talk about Jesus at work. What do you say to them? Yeah. Well, I think the key ingredient here is, is um, let me differentiate between um, salt and light and disciple making. Okay. There's a lot of resources out there that are exceptional on how do I, in my job, be salt and light. In other words, salt that makes them thirsty for Jesus, light that exposes darkness and they can walk in freedom. And, and you know, you and I might call that evangelism. And we have had a lot of resources on that that are just tremendous out there that can really help people see that. This attempt is to help people go beyond that and say, okay, so what happens when either A, you lead those people to Jesus by being salt and light, or B, you happen to work with others who love Jesus that you can tell have never been discipled. So there's a lot of just kind of spiritual, um, either unhealthiness, lack of development, growth needed, or people that maybe don't work with you, but share your vocation. How can we begin to pour the things of God into their lives? And so um, through the tool you, you mentioned earlier, Discipleship Journey, that's our tool for what we call formational disciple making. What we're talking about here is vocational disciple making, which is built really on the foundation of the formational. And so there's, there's several things that we flesh out a little bit on this. For example, uh, if you were to say, how, do, how is a follower of Jesus that, uh, let's say, serves in the media, how can I come alongside people to disciple them to look more godly in light of the role that we serve in here in society? And along with uh, formational stuff where you form the image of Jesus in them, there's five pieces that we look at. And so the first one is calling, is helping someone recognize, because again, when you realize God's hand is on you and what you're doing, it creates greater value in your own heart for what it is you do. Instead of just, I got to go to work, get my paycheck, and uh, I can hardly wait for the weekend. Instead, you now have a value and realize, wow, God's appointed me here. I am his ambassador here. Okay, so it's helping people recognizing that. And with that, we marry to it the calling of reproducing the things of God in the lives and those around you. All right. Another piece that we look at is character. Like what character qualities we're working on, on Kevin, some tools called vocational disciple making guides that will follow this up. That will be 10 week guides like for a business person. So like, what are the character qualities of a business person that are really needed so they can rep represent the Lord well? And we also are uniquely tackling something, um, and I've done this by collecting information from friends, say, now in, in the business world. What are the two or three greatest strong spiritual strongholds that business people can fall prey to? Mm. And help them root those things out of their own hearts so they don't fall prey to it. All right, like, like uh, ambition greed, things like that, that all of a sudden 
can start controlling you. And so what we're doing is doing that with each of the different vocations. So an artist here in Nashville is wired differently than a business person. Okay, so character. So what character things? The third one is competency. And we use the language good and faithful because, you know, in the end, it's not going to be well done, extremely gifted and charismatic person. It's well done, good and faithful. So we say, how through your competencies can you be good and faithful at what you do? Um, then, then we look at the area of commitment. And are you somebody that is committed to what this to, to for example, as you're a part of a team, are you committed to unity? And is that something that you jump into and you roll with and you're and are you committed to walking under authority? And we talk, we talk about how oftentimes I have found in my own experience, upwards of 90% of disagreements with, with a boss is over an opinion. It's really not over something illegal, unmoral, unethical, or unbiblical. So how do you, how do you, so we take things like that and help flesh them out so that a person serving in that area of society can be muscled up in the things of God so they can live it and pass it on to others. So let me just make, see if I've got this clear from you uh, on this, Dave. So this is, I'm, I'm at work. Uh, let's see, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm an engineer and I work with uh, a team of people. Some are engineers, some are, are uh, other support staff. And uh, I've been living as salt and light and maybe one of my co-engineers started asking me, you know, boy, you don't seem as anxious about the pandemic as everybody else. What, what, what's, what do you got that, what do you know that we don't know? I, I have an opportunity to share my faith with them. We have some conversations. Maybe they become a follower of Jesus or, or you know, invite Jesus to become Lord of their life. At that point, your book is, is saying, and, and your help here is saying, let that's a great opportunity now to not only disciple them uh, in some of the formation pieces, but also around your vocation. What do we do as engineers? What are the specific unique challenges I, we have in our company or as engineers in general that we can talk about where God would want us to, to be strengthened and just be, as you say, reproducing the character ways and mission of Jesus. Yes. I, have I got you right? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And I, I just wonder like some of my mind dreams, Kevin, about like, imagine if that could started happening. Imagine if churches, I, I was on a podcast not long ago and the question they asked me is, so like what kind of recommendations do you have for a church in this? And one of the things that I've suggested is just like you have small groups um, you know, that meet in homes, all that, consider launching small groups based on vocations so that people who are all called to the same vocation can know each other, relate to each other, encourage each other. And here's the other thing. Imagine sending a mission team to a nation, and, and there's lots of villages out there from what I understand in Africa, South America, other places in Asia, where they still can't tap in like you and I can to Zoom and the internet. Imagine a tech team that went over to, for two weeks to Africa. And in that little village, they helped them connect to the rest of the world. So the kids there could get educated. I mean, imagine. Yeah. But see, I, I have a friend of mine who years ago took his skill set and in the nation of Albania, which was a very anti-Christian persecution-based nation, when they started to turn around a number of years ago, he was invited in because of his background to help them write the constitution of their nation. Wow. And, and I, I think we have to look at this different and we can no longer say church life here, 
what I do here, we have to all put it under the banner of the kingdom of God. And, and that's, that's, I think, how we have to look at it, Kevin. I love that. I, you know, that, that's, a, that's such a unique thought of, of getting people together around the affinity of our vocation. I wonder if there's any churches, maybe other than, than Grace Chapel and the ones that you've uh, led that have been thinking about that. Um, I remember reading a book years and years ago where the author said, uh, we're talking about the different, the distance between church, you know, sort of Sunday and Monday through Saturday, and it feels so divorced in many ways. Yes. And he, his, his recommendation was simply this. Uh, you just reminded me of it. He said, ask uh, every week, get someone to come up, just ask them one question, like, you know, how does your faith affect your work? Or, or what is the biggest struggle that you're having at work that we could pray for today? And the end of the book, he, what he said is, in 52 weeks, you will have helped people reduce that secular sacred gap and you will show them that we the church cares about what you do for a living and that god cares about what you do in your eight to eight to five or whatever time frame it is so um man it just seems to me that you've taken that concept and not only have you reinforced it but you're showing us how to do it you're helping people to understand what that might look like and what a joy that is uh, dave thank you for for I just, I'm overwhelmed that you'd be willing to devote some time to helping people. As we've said, we, you know, a third of our time is, is in these vocations, maybe more than that. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's, uh, yeah. And, and I, I, I think what you just said there is fantastic, Kevin. And I, I recommend that to people too, is just, you, it's like one of the ways to seed it in a church is to have people who are, trying to apply these things in their vocations, share their hearts and their lives. I think it's, it's a huge deal. And pastors, pastors are wise to step back and choose vocational leaders in their churches whose characters are godly, who have de demonstrated faithfulness over the years, and invite them in to have those kind of conversations. Because with disasters that come or, you know, opportunities that open the doors open to us as flocks, or as flocks and city, because I, I like to take it a step further and say, could you imagine if every church in every city had affinity groups based on vocations, and then they begin to link. So if there's a disaster in your city, we need the media people to jump into this. We need the construction people. I mean, you would mobilize the church of Jesus like this, that the world would go, oh my gosh, if yeah. this is what this is about, I want in. You That's know? so good. Yeah. Boy, Dave, that is so good. You know, I remember years ago, a, a guy in a group of guys I was discipling um, was a banker, and uh, he, his, basically his day-to-day -day was making, deciding on what, what um, folks he was going to do commercial loans for. And he said to me at one point, uh, he said, I'm with people on their best days and on their worst days. And I was confused. I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, there's no better day than the bank saying, yes, you know, you can start that new excavation company. Here's, you know, the, the, the money for it. And he said, and it's the worst day when the business didn't work out. And we're saying, um, you know, we have to call the loan or, or whatever. And I remember saying to him, isn't it amazing that God has you there? I mean, you, a, a godly man is in the room with them. Often they, these are heartbreaking. He was telling me about a guy whose business went under and without even telling his wife, I think he had basically put the house as collateral and, you know, this is a bad time. Yeah. 
speak to that a little bit. Is that more the evangelistic moment? I, I'm, I'm not trying to make a hard line between evangelism right. and discipleship, but this is not so much where he's with other people doing his vocation, but his vocation has him in a place where people are raw and they're hurting. And do you have a word about that, or, you know, in terms of how people should live their faith out and, and decide, use that as a discipleship moment as well? Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, before we get to the discipling, there has to be the disciple living it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, what you're expressing there is, is in that ballpark. I, I have a friend who's a cardiologist, and, um, you know, a lot of these cardiologists or, or medical people, they're, they're just amazingly gifted with their minds. Yeah. And, um, and some of them are more scientists, you know, uh, so I find that scientists, many, I'm not trying to make a big statement here, but many scientists, they're so gifted in that one area that their relationship sides aren't as strong. This happened to my friend, John, and John said to me, Dave, I love people, but I don't, I don't know how to do this. And so he would just go in, he'd do heart surgery, drop in on just saying, hey, see your charts are good, see ya. And he goes on to his next patient. John got revelation. We were talking about that earlier. He got revelation that Jesus cares personally about each patient, not just their physical heart, but their spiritual heart. And now John will go in, he'll pull up a little chair and he'll say, let's talk. I want to talk to you about your heart and then about your heart. Wow. And, and he prays with them now and it's, it's transformed the way that he deals with his patients. Did you show him that, Dave, or did someone else show him that? Yeah, I actually had the opportunity to do that. We've been friends since about 1993 or four, and it was around the late 90s, early 2000s that he began to make a turn and, and that the desire was there. But just from his own wiring and his own upbringing, the relational Velcro didn't naturally stick. And now it's different. Now, it doesn't mean he, like, he'd be the first to say, I still have lots of room to grow. But, but where he was to where he is now is remarkable. And it is now one of the centerpieces of what he does. Well, part of the ways of God, how God does things is like, uh, and I think you'd agree with this, Kevin, Jesus, the best relator that has ever walked this planet. And so as his followers, and that's, that's one of the other C's in the disciple-making components we do for vocation is connecting. It's like, like, should we not be the best relators on the planet, period? Because our God is. Yeah. But again, like in John's story, he didn't have modeling that way. He didn't have some of the wiring. But because of humility, he was saying, could you help me? And if you were to connect with John today, you would warmly sit over a meal. He'd probably buy it for you because he's generous. And he would just, you would, you would leave there going, what a great guy. Yeah. He's no longer the scientist doctor that just walks in, hope you're good, and goes on to his next surgery. Discipling people in the ways of God relationally, I think, is one of the strongest ways we can, we can express Jesus through disciples' lives. Oh, Dave, when I, when I think about that, and I think about the condition of our culture right now, and if we had politicians who would be people of their word, not yep. people of promises, but people of their word, honest, gentle, uh, kind, if, if, if we felt like in every area of our life, every area of our culture, every store that we went into, uh, if we had people there who not only were followers of Jesus, privately, but who are living out the character uh, of Jesus publicly with the people they interact with, 
you just think that our whole culture would change, oh. our society oh. would look different, and um, and we would be reflecting uh, our King and and our God in a whole new way to the world. Oh, it's huge! And I, in the last chapter of this new book, one of the things that um, it's called "Begin with the End in Mind," and at the very end, I, I just talk about hey, no matter what we're doing, we have to reference how am I advancing God's kingdom? How am I glorifying Jesus? And then another a real practical one is, how am I bettering and blessing the lives of those around me? Yeah. And by bettering, I mean, what could you do to jump in with your gifts, your connections, your resources to better that person, to improve their life? And then by blessing, I mean, how do you let the grace of Jesus that has been in you kind of splosh over to them? Wow. And, and if, if all of us think about our neighbors that way, the people we work with, our clients, and, and I just think, um, that I, I love that portion in Acts where it says, Jesus went about doing good. Hmm. And, I, and I think that's something that as followers of Jesus has more heft then we realize, I, I have had the privilege of being in situations before where we just were able to do good. And it caused someone to say, what? Because it, it, was, it was going one step beyond the cultural norm and serving them yeah. without an agenda, not asking for anything. And, and sometimes I've seen people say, well, I need to give you, you need it. It's like, no, 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 no. This is just because God loves you and we love you too. And they're tears. They, they, they can't figure it out. And so I think you know, the heart of a disciple needs to be daily, how can I advance God's kingdom where I am? Which again, doesn't mean I love Jesus t-shirt, but it means you are the best relator in your company. For example, I think we ask the question, how do I better and bless the lives around me? And I think glorifying the name of Jesus will be the last thing I'll say here is, I love what Leif Anderson out of Minnesota says. He said, glorifying Jesus means enhancing the reputation of God in the eyes of another. That is so good. Well, and, and I just think as you said this uh, sort of early on, Dave, that, that there's a whole generation of young people who want to figure out how to live with that kind of integrity and see that impact on the world and be a part of that impact. Yes, on the world. so much. We've got, a, we've got a resource now for them, uh, so they can, they can actually figure out how to do that. The book is on sale right now. Yep. Uh, it can be pre-ordered now. Hey, Kevin, is there a way, is there a way that you can allow me to, um, share that you can, sh I can share a screen and I'll yeah, show you sure. the cover. Let me give you the, uh, opportunity for that right now so that you can, uh, we'll, we'll have that up. I think you should be able to right now. Okay. Let me try it. I was just going to say, cause if you haven't seen the cover of the book, this will allow you to kind of see that as well. So let me blow this there you up. Go. Come on. There we go. There. All right. So you can pre-order it through uh, www.lionshare.org. And uh, when do you think those will be in people's hands? Do you have a sense? Yeah, I can tell you, it looks like it's going to be mid to late October. We'll have them, we'll have kind of our soft launch here amongst people like you and our relationships. And then an ebook will be available on Amazon December 1. So a few weeks after that. And then our public launch through kind of brick and mortar stores and Amazon, all that will be the month of March. But if someone wants to get their hands on this sooner than later, they can pre-order it now and we will have them in our hands mid to late October. 
Well, there you have it. Great opportunity by Dave Buring. Dave, thank you so much for this time. What a, I, I, I remember the last time we talked, I got off and said I could have talked to Dave for another hour, but I, <laughs> I appreciate the time you gave uh, today. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again yeah. and look, look forward to the world that, that God is using you and others to create. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate what you do. It's good to be with you today. All right. God bless you.